that's the thing, Lyle. You have to be there for every episode because we're just so goddamn dumb. I I've realized I, I've we've been doing this for for sixty episodes next week. Also, we never spoke about our one year anniversary. I think it got like half a line. Yeah, I tweeted about it. You want me to do a little thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, we've been we've been recording for a full year two weeks ago. Yeah. Terrible, terrible news. I don't know. I think I think we're having an impact on the world. Is it a good one? Maybe not. Absolutely but that's not. more than most podcasts can say. I, I like to think that as our podcast grows, it will start being talked about in the mainstream media the same way that coronavirus was in January 2020. Like like people will be saying, well, just like a subtle hint of like something terrible is happening in this distant part of the world. OK, that's weird. I thought you were saying people would be like, yeah, the Sunday morning podcast is in America, but it's not here where it's I am. So I don't real. need to worry about it. Yeah. I do I do like the idea of Sunday morning denialism. So there's a podcast like in this area that I'm in, but it's not the Sunday morning podcast. It's something else though. You just gotta you Why know. should I be worried about the Sunday morning podcast? We've had Chapo Trap House for years and it's never killed anyone. And That's is absolutely the Sunday false. morning podcast there's- in the room with us right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way somebody hasn't killed and cited Chapo Trap House as their inspiration. That's true. Yeah, I've never listened, so I wouldn't know. Um, Okay, so I just want to go ahead and talk about this and get this out of the way, which is Ukraine. Um, This is a topic that we have all agreed that us as five American dipshits who have never been in a war-torn country. Um, We acknowledge that this is not in our wheelhouse. This is not something that we are necessarily qualified to speak on. Uh, We are overtly anti-war and anti-imperialist in every way, and that does extend beyond American imperialism. And if you truly think of yourself as an anti-imperialist, you have to re-examine what that means outside of just the scope of the United States military. And I, we didn't want to dedicate a lot of time to this. We wanted to acknowledge that obviously we understand this is going on, uh, but this is not something that we feel qualified to give takes on as, as you know, people who have grown up as we are. Also, I just want to say, if you are looking to literally any podcaster for like your primary coverage of geopolitical events, you are the dumbest motherfucker on this planet. <laughs> please reconsider. Yeah, please. <laughs> like yeah, I, there, there's a million people out there who have said what we probably think, but in a lot better way yes, with a, a much a, better background. Exactly. On it. There are there are people who are way more educated in this who know much more about the the history and the background of what is going on and they will say anything that we could say better than we ever could um it's it's not really our place to speak on this yeah. as again a bunch of idiots who who grew up in in the United States and and have never worried about what an invasion means okay we don't have to include this and and Lyle you can you can cut this I'm I might I say I might be I'm probably off base with this but I've seen 
enough things for me to kind of be like, hmm, about the Gravel teens kind of weakening at Bernie's Mike Gravel before they announced yeah. his death. I think we've talked about this before on Did the we? pod. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure so. they like absolutely weekend at Bernie's, Tim. Yeah. I mean, it's fucked up, but they also don't seem to be involved anymore with Gravel Institute operations, and I think that Gravel Institute's doing some good stuff, so. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with that. I think that at the end of the day, a lot of what they're doing is allowing, it is formatting leftism for a younger generation. It is mm-hmm. allowing people to consume the kind of media that they are used to consuming, yeah, it's Prager U for leftists. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, did they weaken at Bernie Sim? Probably. But, yeah, that, that's that's the funny thing. Everybody but, like kind of knows about it, and everybody's like, that was a little weird, right? But then at the end of the day, they're doing enough good in the world. They're doing good that, work. Like, like <laughs> people are like, you know what? Even if they did kill this old man. We're fine with it. Okay, they didn't kill him. <laughs> they, it's not like they like walked into his room and smothered him with a pillow. They just like didn't announce that he was dead yet. It's way less funny to imagine that this was just an old man who died in his own time and these kids took over his image. Way more funny to imagine that they like found this man, hunted him down, took over his assets <laughs> and like respect and then, you know, got rid of him i'd read that i'd read that uh fucking what who's the guy who writes all the crime (laughs) (laughs) sean penn (laughs) the the crime books you know no i literally have no idea who the fuck you're talking about (laughs) sir arthur conan doyle (laughs) rl stein I mean, technically, Stephen King books are also crime novels. <laughs> well, the novels themselves are a crime. I was so. asking, I was asking, like, hey, you know, there's there's all those modern authors that write like a bunch of books, and they're just all crime thrillers. Lyle goes, okay, how about the guy who's been long dead who wrote Sherlock Holmes, or the guy who writes fucking Goosebumps? <laughs> Popular crime They're, thriller. Neither of those <laughs> are incorrect bumps. answers. R.L. Stein is 100% an incorrect answer in this situation. <laughs> I don't know what else he's written. I bet there's something criminal in there. Creepy creatures do not abide by the laws of man, Lyle. <laughs> the thing that I was most afraid of in the Goosebumps books was when there was that one mummy that was doing all of the uh, financial crime. And he wouldn't stop showing his dick. I hated that one. <laughs> Wait, okay, I missed that. I was trying to find an example of R.L. Stein writing something that wasn't Goosebumps. <laughs> and also, I can't. Goosebumps. He only wrote Goosebumps. Goosebumps, book number 52. This dead guy who's a big old pervert. The dead guy shows his dick. <laughs> there we go, episode title. Okay. Can we talk about flashers? Because I grew up whoa, thinking wait, that there was... <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I was like, you want to talk about guys showing their dicks in public? I'll tell no, you something. I, I just always thought that that specifically would be a much bigger problem than it was. Like, I always got the image of, like, a man in a trench coat who would just go, ah, look at my dick, and then, like, run away. And I've never seen that happen in real life. 
I also don't know anybody that that has happened to in real life. Yeah, like, I think that flashers are fake, and I don't think it's ever happened ever before. Okay, I definitely think that that is incorrect. I definitely think no. that there are perverts who who get off on that. I don't think that people just kind of made that up. There is probably at least a little bit of precedent I mean, that's that. specific kind. I mean, the guy with the hat and the trench coat. Who just goes, ah, and then that's it. Good morning, I mean, Sunday morning. Welcome to the Sunday morning <laughs> victim blaming cast. I, I don't know, Lyle. I think you're wrong. I think people that wear fedoras are perverts. And I think people that <laughs> wear trench coats are perverts. I think that the overlap is 100% plausible for that, for that exact situation to occur. Never mind. I've just been proven wrong by, by the news. <laughs> Yeah. Two days ago. <laughs> Hate to be proven wrong by facts. <laughs> two two days ago in London. Two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> police are hunting a bald six foot f- serial flasher who targeted at least seven women in London before making his getaway on roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> Is a real story. It is the Daily Mail, so I don't know how. Okay, in that case, it's probably not a real story if it's the Daily Mail. Um, But it's probably at least half a true story. That is a side character in a novel. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, that's a a side quest that you get in an RPG where you have to, like, hunt down and kill somebody. Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, Sunday morning, y'all, and welcome to episode 58 of the Sunday Morning Podcast. I am Alex. Uh, with me, I have Tom, who is uh, getting a drink or something. We'll let them introduce themselves when they get back. And I have Lyle. Uh, who want to talk about bicycle race theory? What? Okay, what does that even mean? Are we going to talk uh, about buses today? Yeah, well, you know, there's critical race theory, okay. which is bad and against America. And there's bicycle race theory, which is uh, the same thing, except it's a musical that can only be performed on a bus. All right. There's a lot of qualifiers here. Yeah. And it sounds bad. Whatever. it, I don't like it. No, no, no. That's the th- it sounds bad, but it is good. Good morning. Sunday morning. As always. Okay. I'm Tom. Let's get into the meat of what we were planning on talking about, which yeah, 35 is 35 minutes in. So ever since COVID, I have become a bit of a uh, faggot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was uncalled um, for. It's fine. Ever since COVID, I've I've decided to self-educate myself in the practices of civil engineering. Uh, and Why? obviously because it's surprisingly interesting and fun. I took a class and on it and I have never wanted to kill myself more in my life, to be honest with you. You should see my city skylines playthroughs these days. They're I great. was also 17 and was more interested in snorting Adderall, but you know, yeah, that'll do it. It is not a compatible <laughs> lifestyle with, with that. It's personally and now compatible. I'm 23 and still interested in snorting Adderall. I would love to. <laughs> but I'd like to snort it off the seat of a public bus. 
Which is what we are talking about today. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I've been doing a whole lot of research specifically into like transit and road design and shit. And I was inspired by having Joe on to do an episode on bus rapid transit, uh, which is something I had frankly never heard about, but is a huge method of public transportation that has a lot of benefits uh, and a lot of downsides. But we'll talk about those as we go. I mean, fuck, I took the bus for a long time. Like when I the the couple years that I lived in Dallas, I primarily relied on the bus and the train to get me to work and get me home. Yeah. So, Tom, real quick, let me butt in. I looked up bus rapid transit to see because I was going to ask Lyle, what is the difference? If we're going to do an overview, I think I should be allowed to do it. Go for it, is Lyle. My thing. Can Correct. I read the? Yes. Can I read the sentence off of Wikipedia? Lyle went full autist on it. So. Fine, go ahead. Basically, it just says it's a public transit system that's uh, bus based, but is designed to be uh, larger and more reliable than a conventional bus system because it has roadways dedicated to buses, priority given to buses at intersections, and there's other shit to re- reduce delays when entering, leaving, or paying. Uh, basically, it tries to be as quick as Metro and as convenient as a bus. So it's I not mean, just like a traditional bus system. I mean, they they kind of have that in beep where I live now. Um, got a, a BRT. <laughs> God damn it, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already had to put a beep in where you did it, so I'll put a beep in where I did it. but here they they have like they have like the bus only lanes they constantly have buses that are moving on a pretty strict schedule to move pretty much anywhere you need to go throughout the city yeah bus only lanes yeah a lot of them, most of them, especially in the downtown area, pretty nice. Are are bus only? You can the only way that you can get in the lane is if you are turning right and you have to do it after the bus stop. There's there's bus in pretty much every city in America, and and there's pros and cons to those buses. And the, and the important thing to note is that BRT is not a um, it's not really an alternative to a, a typical bus route because the idea of a regular really? bus route um is to have stops all over the place where you can basically walk out of any business, any residential area in theory, uh, and you can get on a bus. The, yeah, the idea funny. of BRT is to act more like, um, like a light rail system. So there are less stops. There's only a stop every mile or two usually, but the idea is to have a much larger network to get from, for, for example, like one end of the city to the other on a regular bus, you know, that bus is going to go max 20 miles an hour. It's going to stop every quarter mile. Uh, and it's going to take forever to get from one place to another on a standard bus. But BRT aims to create a larger network uh, to do that. Now, now so there is, it is, just, is it just like cooking it down the road to get to from stop to stop? Yeah. I mean, that's the the entire idea is that the bus should only have to stop at bus stops. Uh, it should only uh, have to deal with traffic from other buses. The entire idea is to basically make essentially a railway without having to build rail because that is uh one of the key benefits of brt uh the reason i wanted to bring it up is that it is um four to 20 times less expensive than light rail so for example dart in dallas or the metro link here in st louis those are both light rail systems 
uh, and it is 10 to 100 times less expensive than heavy rail. So that's going to be, you know, the New York subway, the Chicago L. Um, it is it's a lot faster and a lot cheaper to build. So the idea is that it functions exactly like a rail network. It's just you're using infrastructure that's already been built. But yeah, so so I'm going to go I'm going to talk a little bit about exactly what features qualify as BRT and how that's actually kind of different in America to the entire rest of the world. Of course, it's got to be worse here. The ones that that Alex already mentioned is dedicated lanes. So if you if you drive around in most cities for a regular bus system, you will usually see that bus in the exact same traffic that all of the cars are in, mm-hmm. which kind of ruins the point of having mass public transit. If you're going to sit in the exact same traffic, no one wants to if you're going to be stuck in traffic, you're going to want to be in your own car as opposed to in a bus full of 60 other people. It's just it makes sense. Um, so bus rapid transit solves that by having entirely separated lanes in fact there's actually there's another form of brt called busway rapid transit where they will actually build separate roads with more direct routes kind of like a uh, like a rail system obviously at that point you're starting to lose some of the cost benefits and stuff that brt has but it is a pretty cool idea especially because uh, another big benefit of brt is that it is very easy to convert an established brt line to other forms of transit. So be that light rail or streetcars or in some instances, even heavy rail, but that gets a little trickier, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later. The other things uh, that, that are required for a bus route to be considered BRT are off route payment. So again, just like light rail or a subway, the idea is that a bus pulls up, the doors open, you get on and you go. If you have to pay for a ticket or anything like that, you do that at the station. Uh, again, with that, you've got low loading floor, so you don't have to walk up any stairs to get onto it. Uh, you've got much bigger stops bordering on stations. You know, they will be fully heated. There'll be plenty of seating. Um, they'll be off the road up, up high so you can get onto the bus. And then, yeah, dedicated right of way. So that's prioritized traffic and stuff like that. So, Lyle, my question here is like, Essentially, it sounds like there's still infrastructure being built, and I get why this would be useful in somewhere like the United States, where there is such heavy resistance to Mm -hmm. transit infrastructure. How is this useful somewhere where, like, is this basically only useful as a stopgap between car traffic and rail? Because ideally, you would want light or heavy rail like they have in China, like they have in Europe? It honestly, it depends. It, the answer is that it's best used in combination. So the idea, especially, you know, if we were to get light rail and heavy rail in cities and stuff, would not necessarily to be to get rid of all the BRT because it still serves uh, a really good purpose. So, so for instance, the countries where it's the, the biggest uh, are Brazil. They were the first to implement a bus rapid transit system. Mexico has a huge one. China's got a really big one, and I believe in all of those countries, it is supplemental to things like light rail and stuff, because the the problem with rail systems, especially when you get into heavy rail, is that it does handle more people, but it is way more expensive to build and more expensive to maintain. Mm -hmm. So BRT would not do well in New York. There's just way too many people and way too small an area. But a city like St. Louis, honestly, bus rapid transit would probably be able to handle anything that the metro doesn't already handle. It, it works as effectively as light rail without having to build stuff. And, and there, there is infrastructure that has to be built 
mainly just the stations uh, and then also the detectors that you would put in intersections to make sure that the bus had right away. Um, but the roads, you really just have to lay down some paint and then you have to buy the buses. That's my entire kind of pitch is that this would be a good way to implement effective, affordable public transit in America within like two years, as opposed to a rail system that would probably take between 10 and 20 to build. So it's not like it's it's just supplemental. It's it's something like you said that it would be used kind of in in addition to it's not supposed to replace anything. It's it's supposed to be used. It, it really just frankly depends on on where it's being built. Like if you were to build one in, say, like Los Angeles, you would probably need it to be supplemental to uh, a heavy rail system down, you know, the main drags of, of I L.A. Mean- even if completely forget major cities like yeah. talking about public transportation in in places like where I grew up, like small mm-hmm. towns where we had one form of like semi public transit, like you still had to pay for it. You had to you had to call them. It was we had one shuttle van that would yeah. come and pick people up and. The town that I grew up in, it's, it's a retirement community. And so you have a lot of, of senior citizens who are living in these like really shitty senior care homes. Mm-hmm. And like the only way that they can get around the city is like they have to call this, this transit and they have to pay them and they're on a fixed income. And it's like, it's just, it's, yeah, stuff like oats or a collar ride. Yeah. Yeah. Like and those those fuckers are expensive. So Lyle, my question is like like I get the potential for increased public transit. Mm-hmm. What is I mean, environmentally, like I get that it's better because you're you're having, t- you know, 20 30 people in a bus instead of, mm-hmm. you know, 15 cars or whatever. Yeah. But you're still running a bunch of buses you're still i i I don't know it it sounds like it would suck environmentally environmentally it's it's not going to be as efficient as like a fully electric rail system absolutely that being said there are there are ways to fully electrify a brt system uh which would basically just involve running a power line over the route since there is no car traffic on those lanes there's the ability to build those uh, especially in Brazil and Mexico, they they do have fully electrified BRT lines. Uh, plus, you can run hybrid BRT, uh, and those get like absolutely insane fuel efficiency. Like if I if I recall correctly, it's something like eighty miles per gallon because they're going typically at such low speeds that they can run fully on electric motors and stuff. So there there are ways to do it without using like fully fossil fuel buses, like most cities do now with their regular bus lines. Uh, in fact, uh, Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete, rat fucker. The one good thing I've heard him do so far is he did approve a $185 million plan to build five BRT lines. And I believe all of them are using hybridized buses for it. So on top of the, the savings where you're turning, you know, 30 to 60 car trips into just one bus trip, you're get also doing that in a hybrid bus or, you know, down the line, it could absolutely be fully electrified. Back to what we were talking about before, though, as far as like, would it be supplemental or would it be basically it functions as 
as well as light rail. They have nearly identical trip times. They handle almost exactly the same amount of people. So anywhere light rail would be what you need, bus rapid transit would be interchangeable with that. The only time bus rapid transit would not be enough would be if you are in a dense enough place that you need heavy rail or a metro. Um, So New York, Chicago, they've already got those. LA would probably be one. If we're talking, you know, Miami, probably Seattle, they would probably need heavy rail. But, you know, those kind of mid-sized cities, especially like me and Alex live in St. Louis, we could probably get by with just BRT in, in St. Louis. But also, would BRT in an area like that not just be a good thing to implement anyways to reduce the amount of traffic into like the heavy rail systems, like the 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 subways yeah. and the metros to give people a, a different option? Yeah, it absolutely. So, so the entire idea of designing a good transit network, from my understanding, granted, I do not have like an actual degree. I have just done yes, three do. years of Googling and YouTube shit. So I so could Lyle's be wrong, an but, expert. <laughs> but, but from my research, the, the key to building a good transit network is to have different levels of it. So if, if, you know, you have a city where you do have like a good Metro and you've got, you know, like public bikes to use and you've got a good regular bus system but there's nothing really in the middle brt would be good to build there if you've already got a light rail system and you've already got a metro system like chicago probably doesn't need brt um actually you know what this would be a good time to talk about kind of the two differing forms of it so in those countries that use it a lot china brazil mexico brt often functions more like a full light rail network where it will cover like the vast majority of a city you can get from one place to another basically anywhere with a combination of brt plus a regular bus or a bicycle in america we don't tend to do that in the few cities that have brt it's almost exclusively along a single road so it'll cover like a 10 mile stretch of one road and that's it okay so that 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 makes more sense i didn't really realize that you were that BRT kind of like slotted in in with other transit stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, you were kind of promoting yeah. it as like the end all be all. Um, so BRT basically just solves one level of it and you still need to hash out your need for heavy rail yeah. and your need for, uh, you know, bike and foot transit and your need for X and Y. Exactly. Yeah. So like if I were to lay out just my entire pitch just in one kind of go, it would be that, because it is so insanely cheap to to build, you just have to plan the network, put the stops down and put the traffic things up and buy the buses. Like, uh, for instance, that plan that Pete Buttigieg passed, I think that's like 60 miles of BRT network for 185 million to build one single mile of light rail is six hundred million dollars. Jeez. So we're literally looking at a fraction of the cost. So, you know, give, if we were to federally supplement that uh we could easily build that kind of mid-level transit in basically every city around america for a few billion which is like nothing for an infrastructure project no and what that would do would be you know in most places that would be like the biggest level of transit that you need like in st louis that's kind of all we need because we already have the metro for that one biggest line that the metro already covers we already have a regular bus system below that, which isn't great. There's ways to improve it, but we still have it. So the idea is that you build it so that there's a bus rapid transit at the top. Whenever you can secure the funding, the idea would be 
especially places with like inclement weather and stuff where buses can still kind of not be ideal for that. You would convert it to light rail because those lines can be easily converted below that. You would have a regular bus network. And then uh, the big idea would be. Um, so for instance, in Chicago, I don't know if you've noticed the last couple times you've been, but when you get off a line at the L and you go down the stairs to street level immediately outside of the train stations for the L are divvy bikes where you, you know, you, you pay fucking 12 bucks and you got a bike for the next couple hours to get from point A to point B. Cause I think the biggest kind of opposition people will have to this other than the NIMBY factor, which I want to talk about last is that any form of public transit is going to involve a little getting from your first stop to your last stop to home or work or wherever that kind of last mile is. Yeah. Cause you can never, you can never have a, uh, you know, a yeah. L stop right outside your house. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the idea for me, I think the best idea is going to be since we're already kind of not having to build new roads or new lines or anything, but since we're already having to kind of restructure what we already have, we might as well add a fucking bike lane into the road mm-hmm. and then have bikes at any BRT stop. And then, there we go. We've got our last mile transit. We've got our short range transit and we've got our kind of mid range transit. The only cities that would need anything more than BRT or the light rail that it would eventually be converted to would be those massive hubs. So like Houston, Austin, LA, Miami cities that big and that, well, honestly, maybe not even those. Cause it's not even a size problem. It's a density problem. Sure. New York, New York is dense. New York, Chicago, like those are dense fucking cities, Um, especially in Texas. They're pretty well spread out. So BRT or light rail might work just fine for them. So I want to jump back to real quick. You were talking about last mile transit and the bikes and stuff when I was uh, and we're going to have our friend Andy on uh, in sometime soon to talk about uh, his campaign. But I worked on Andy's campaign. Uh, He ran for mayor of Huntsville, Alabama. I worked on his campaign. And one of the things that we really wanted to implement was um, municipal broadband. And in like internet Mm -hmm. infrastructure, there's this concept of last mile service. So most cities have like fiber cables, like super fast fiber running all the way to the quote unquote last mile. Like if you see that little green box outside of your neighborhood, that's usually like a switching station and they run fiber up to that. And then they run shitty copper wire to your house. So you end up with a really good service all the way up to that box and then poor service after. And that's, that was what jumped to mind when you mentioned those bikes. Cause if you have really fast, really good quality light rail or BRT or whatever to, you know, mm-hmm. whatever point, and then your way of getting from the bus stop to your house is shit. It doesn't really yeah. end up mattering because your, your experience is still, I had to take a four mile, you know, I had to walk four miles instead of, Oh, I got a free scooter from the city and I, you know, got there in 10 minutes. That's one of the primary problems with nearly every American transit system is that in order for it to be good, it truly has to be a system. It has to be easy for people to use. It has to be cheap. It has to be a compelling reason not to use a car that you probably already have if you live in America. Because let's be real, like 90% of people in America already have a car because it's basically been 
made the only real way to get anywhere in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Uh, For instance, like we've got the Metro in St. Louis, but it is one line. It only covers one route. There's no intersecting routes. That's you just get on the Metro, the one line and you go up and down it. And that's it. The only other form of transit we have is the bus system. And I don't know if you've worked with anyone or if you've taken it yourself. The bus system we have here in St. Louis can easily take someone two to three hours to make a trip that would be 20 or 30 minutes in a car. Mm-hmm. And and they're like normal trips, too. It's not like you're going to some weird place. It's like going from yeah, no. like a suburb into the city to work. Exactly. It is an entirely normal trip that you could do in less than half an hour in a car, and it will take multiple hours in a bus. And the reason for that is... You know, we we do have a pretty wide bus system. You can get a lot of places on the bus, but there's only so many routes and there are stops every quarter mile in a lot of places. So you get on the bus and you're effectively going like just above wall. You're probably going jogging speed. Ultimately, you know, you might hit 25, 30 miles an hour on your bus, but you're also going to stop every three or four minutes Mm. Um, and that's you know not necessarily a viable way to get anywhere plus you have to get out of your house and walk 20 minutes to get to the nearest bus stop and then pass probably 40 bus stops on your way to work and then on on your way back the the way that a, a system would work is that okay last time you got off the bus you rented a bike and you rode the bike home and you get up the next morning you ride the bike back to the station and you get on your regular bus and you take your regular bus only two stops down the road to your BRT station. And then the BRT travels faster. It has full right of way and it only stops every couple miles. And effectively, just like a light rail system, it would probably cover the same trip that a car could cover in 30 minutes in maybe 40 minutes. It is. It's still going to be a little longer, but the benefits are that you either didn't have to pay for anything or you paid for the entire trip maybe six bucks and that saves you the money you would pay for a car payment it saves you the money you would pay for insurance for maintenance for fuel all that stuff and the argument is that you shouldn't have to pay anything like the already light rail and i say light rail because that's what i have most experience with again like you Mm -hmm. said we have the metro line the tickets for that i think are like five bucks it's so heavily subsidized already they could just make it free and using those, yeah. uh, using those rent, uh, rentable bikes, I've used those before. Those are almost as expensive as like an Uber or like a Lime scooter or something or a bird. That's not my experience, but it, there's a bunch of different companies yeah. that do it. None of it's subsidized. So my, my preference would be for it to be subsidized. Yeah. With bikes, those could be free. BRT could be free. The transit is so heavily subsidized that you really shouldn't be paying anything for it. My my personal take is that as long as it is affordable to someone making like a minimum wage, I don't mind if it costs a little bit of money because it is still ultimately, especially if you were to do this like nationwide, a massive infrastructure project. And you look at, at cities that already have a good infrastructure system like New York and Chicago, and it's not free in New York and Chicago. You still have to pay, you know, a buck fifty two bucks to get on the subway in New York. You still have to pay four or five bucks to get on the L in Chicago, but you can also get a monthly pass for 60 bucks. And I mean, fuck right now I pay, you know, I was paying 300 a month for my car plus another hundred for insurance plus probably between 50 and a hundred for gas. Plus I was paying for, you know, maintenance on the car that wasn't monthly, but it, it when it popped up, it was three or 400 bucks. You know, it, it costs on average 
aside from a car payment, just for like maintenance and fuel, I think it costs an American on average like four to six hundred bucks a month to own a car. Yeah. If we could just bring that down to sixty bucks a month for a Metro Pass, I think that's fair. I obviously, ideally, it would be free, but I like, I like I get making it affordable. Yeah, but I I don't know like the cost for you a person to take a a ride on light rail is probably you know you spend five dollars for your ticket. It's probably mm-hmm. ten times that is the actual cost of operating that rail car for that day. I mean, frankly, like that's where my fucking YouTube education ends. I don't actually know what the cost is or how effective it is. I'm just saying, like, if it comes to either we get like a really good BRT slash bus slash bike, like a full mile to mile network. And what it takes to get that is telling a fucking Republican. All right, fine. We'll charge people 60 bucks a month to use the system. Like, I'd rather do that than just not have the system. Counterpoint, money is fake and it doesn't fucking matter how much it costs to build a goddamn system because they can just fucking give it to people. All they have to do is put the goddamn numbers into the system and then hit enter. That's all they have to do. And then it's transferred into their fucking account and then they can do whatever the fuck they want with it. And it doesn't matter. And nobody looks at it. That's a good point. Yeah, I agree. It's like what they did with like COVID relief. Like. They were like, yeah, we're just going to change the numbers around a little bit in the system. And the guy was like, hey, you know, like we don't really do anything. We just like make the number lower and then we we like enter it and then it's all good again. And it's like, what? What was the number? Like how much money did they put into the like fucking stock market or whatever for COVID? They put like, it, like $500 billion or uh-uh, something like that. Four trillion. No way! Four they trillion. put four trillion into and the remember, fucking stock market. It went away in market. like thirty-seven minutes. It was gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. For for that amount of money, I guarantee you, you could build a system like the one I'm describing in every major city in America. Every yes. city, like not I, maybe not even major, like cities like St. Louis that kind of don't matter. We would be able to build one in every city this size in America for that much money. Probably every city in America. Honestly, yeah. yeah. With as cheap as yeah, it is, absolutely. I mean, 185 with mil with four trillion fucking dollars. Yeah. And once again, the money is fake. It's not. It's not real. It's not. It's not there. real. They nobody, literally just put some numbers in a spreadsheet. Yeah. Nobody like hands them the physical money and says, "Here is four trillion dollars in like yeah. a bunch of duffel bags." Like they just say, "Okay, you have four trillion dollars now. Good luck." I, I like what you're saying about BRT. Um, I like but. that it's a facet of transit that people don't really think about because you tend to just think about heavy rail and light rail and shit, especially leftists mm-hmm. have a fucking boner for trains, you know, me included. I love trains, dog. This oh, so me cool. too. I, I want to clarify my ideal situation is still that there's a just different size trains all over the place <laughs> and you can get on them for free. And they're built in the next 60 days. What I'm, about okay. like a child sized train? Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah. what about the last mile? Like when I'm getting when I'm going from the, the small train to like my house, is there a very teeny tiny train that goes right to my front door? You know, around Christmas time when there's those trains for children in the mall, it's literally that and there's a little Santa Claus driving it and your knees stick out on each side. And if you got groceries, you just got to carry them like this. But there is a free train that just goes by your house. <laughs> And it's going slow enough that you can just hop on and off. It doesn't have to stop. Is there a guy in a Santa suit at the front? I already said there was. 
why don't you fucking listen? Can't wait for when I buy a desk from Ikea and it's sticking 15 <laughs> feet out of the tiny train. <laughs> Just holding it above your head. No, I like your idea best, but I, I, I think I think this is really just and we got into it a little bit, but I think it's really just part of a larger conversation. Yeah. And it's like it is with fucking everything in this country. We're talking about like, oh, this one facet would be really cool. But that facet sucks shit if it doesn't have heavy yeah. rail to accompany it and light rail to accompany it and uh, bike transit to accompany it. It's. Everything in America is so fucked that you can't do it piecemeal or, you know. Yeah. It's, and it also, really sucks. I, th- I, I think that probably a lot of people who are going to listen to this think that this is masturbatory and this is some kind of like idealistic bullshit. And to some extent, like I, I sort of agree, but to get the things that we deserve, we have to demand them. And that includes coming up with some sort of comprehensive idea of what it is that we need as people. Sure. And yeah, yeah. you, you, you said something similar in the, in the airline episode. You just, you can't be demanding shit if you don't know what you're demanding. You can't just say, hey, we want transit. You have to say, here's what good transit looks like. Here's why you should give it to us. Uh, here's the consequences if you don't. And I'm not saying consequences in the way you're saying consequences, because the way you're <laughs> saying consequences, Tom, Lyle will have to bleep off of the Sunday morning podcast. But but also in the way that I'm saying consequences, like that has to be some sort of background in their mind of like, oh, fuck, if I don't if I don't give this to them, like. This might happen. Well, sure. And do it the French and, way. And I think that that is a a healthy thing for government officials to keep in mind is that mm-hmm. the power resides and remains within the people. Those are the people who put them in power. Those are the people who elect them to govern for them. They are the reason that their job exists. Yeah, and you for do that it, reason, they must the be French accountable way. Whenever to the something doesn't go the way you want, you go light something on fire. Yeah, I like that. Just like once every couple of months, they're burning something down. I'm like, oh, what are the French doing? Oh, they're burning down this uh, police station. And, and it has become like woven into their cultural fabric. Like it is just a part of who they are. Yeah, it's like, like a it, fine it, thing that no one cares about when it happens. Yeah, which rules. Yeah, it's it's just like whatever. It's like yeah, oh shit, people are rioting again, and that's good. Like that is that is the only way to keep the people in power responsible to the will of the people. Is if you consistently have a force from the people that is able to bend the government to its knee. Because you can ask and beg all you want, but at the end of the day, if there is nothing backing that up, what reason do they have to concede to you? I'm not going to lie. I didn't think we would get to this point of the conversation with, about with Tom on the podcast bus, with buses. Yeah, that's fair. And also, like, they're right. I'm not. I agree. I'm, I'm just saying, like. I'm getting pretty good at keeping it PG 13. No, you're I'm not. That's all, that's all we need. No, that's hey, it. I'm. I didn't hear anything there I needed to cut. Yeah, there was nothing that needed to be cut, and I bleeped the places that I was living with my own voice earlier in the podcast. (laughs) Except for when I said they lived in (laughs) which is another beep I'm going to have to add in. So the 
I mean, I mean, the the thing that is interesting for me is that, like, like you said, Tom, you need to have a clear and concise idea of what you are asking for before you ask for it. That's why we had Joe on for the planes episode because Joe knows shit, and Joe was able to talk with us about nationalizing airlines. This episode, we have three of the stupidest motherfuckers to ever walk this earth, and we're talking about how to do buses. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but all jokes aside, that's why I'm going to do a bus. That's why you need smart people in your movement, you know, because you can't ask for what you don't know how to ask for. Yeah. To tie, to tie it back to the buses though, like you can't organize around, like it's, it's hard enough to organize around leftist thought in general. It's harder to organize around specific actionable things because you have to take the ideas of you know you have to take leftist ideas distill them into something that is uh absorbable by the average populace and then take that and apply it to bus rapid transit because if you just say hey we should do these buses then Mm -hmm. only the people who care about buses are going to be interested in it to get the average man you have to distill it and then distill it again and that's really tough because you have to introduce it as part of the movement you can't introduce it yes, as, as yeah. an issue and and say this is what we are fighting for you have to say as part of what we are doing as as demanding more for us as people for demanding mm-hmm. more as for us as citizens in the richest country to have ever existed in the fucking world all right bernie sanders you this is what we this is what we fucking deserve and And no i know i know you just it sounded like his stump speech for a minute but but seriously i mean if if we are not able to have that conversation in earnest then we are never able to move forward and we have to be able to present it in a way that is not like we are people who are obsessive about particular issues we cannot be single issue people single issue people and trying to draw people into the fold based on a particular issue is never going to work because you have to be able to draw masses in there are significant issues that that occur you know with wide swaths of people that will help draw people in medicare for all is a perfect example Mm -hmm. of that however you cannot run on Medicare for all alone. You cannot say, I'm just going to give you free health care. You have to be able to make people understand that you are bringing them in to whatever it is that you are doing. And that is the only way that politics are ever going to be successful. And that's why I don't think that they ever are. I mean, you see so many progressives currently and in the past who have been elected, they have gained power, they've gained prominence, and they begin to push towards the center. They become not puppets of, but they become obedient to the Democratic Party. I didn't work any of this into my segues for the bus thing. As always. So, yeah. So in response to that, I want to say, like, that's kind of in, in a very small way. It's going to sound kind of weird to tie that whole very big thing back to buses. But in a way, that's kind of why I'm very passionate about the BRT thing is because it is one of those issues that i think has the potential to bring a lot of people around it and it's also one that i think pragmatically has a very good chance of actually becoming accomplished like i said earlier like 
the establishment Democratic Party has already passed a nearly $200 million plan to implement BRT in five cities. Like, it is something that they're already fighting for. So if we can take that energy and, you know, start attributing it, like you said, Tom, to a larger movement about how this is part of a bigger platter that we deserve, I think that that is one of those issues that can bring people into a larger movement once you tie it into that. I also just want to say that I don't think that it is bad if a single if there is like a single progressive focus of your campaign like medicare for all i i I just want to qualify with that because i don't think that that's bad and i do think that that's good but it just goes back to what i was saying earlier of why demand a little bit when you know that you can have it all it's all numbers on a screen and they can all make the changes if they just sign the fucking papers that's all they have to do but yeah i think it's about time we wrapped up if it's okay with y'all i'd like to give like one last like final like summary of kind of my brt pitch as weird as it sounds i think that the way our country is currently set up as far as city design and transportation and the way that that isolates people drives them further into poverty it isolates us from each other which makes it harder to focus on communal issues and stuff like that and a big part of changing that is changing the way our country is physically built and designed uh in order to form more cohesive communities get people to work easier and take that financial burden off of them and bring it on to uh the the system as a Mm -hmm. whole because we can afford to do it yes yeah a hundred times over um the reason i think brt is the best way to do that is because i think it is the most likely to get past any opposition to it it is incredibly cheap it is easy to build we can do it fast um, and we can do it without disrupting too many things that a lot of people value um on top of that i think that it is a way that we can create the best impact for people as soon as possible and it is an easy path forward to better those designs to to take an established brt system and build light rail heavy rail street cars stuff like that there's also already a lot of existing infrastructure that Mm. would support this like And there it, is so much and it yeah, would be exactly. so easy to convert. I mean, even imagine I'm, I'm thinking about the fucking express lane for, for in Dallas, there's an express lane that goes for fucking like 14 miles yep. with nothing else, a single lane. If that was converted, if, if that was, was made a government thing, mm-hmm. it would be so fucking, it would be so fucking easy. Yeah, that, that's, place the, and place. My, that's like, the reason it's so quick and cheap to build a BRT line is because any road that already has more than two lanes, the entire United States highway system that we, you know, fucking ruined a lot of cities for all of that can be taken from this really bad fucking blight on a car centric society and turned into public transit with a couple coats of paint and a bus stop every couple miles. And like, like you were saying earlier, Lyle, if you have a better community because you've got this transit, everything else becomes easier. The organizing for healthcare becomes easier because you are better able to reach your community. The organizing for food becomes easier because you're better able to reach your community. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's all intersectional. All right. Thank you guys for listening to episode 58 of the Sunday morning podcast. This one went a little, uh, 
little off the rails or bus lines or whatever. Uh, but I feel like we had a really good discussion here about, uh, you know, transit and how it affects the United States. Um, and I hope you guys like it, too. If you do like this one and you haven't already, you can go find us on Spotify and Apple Music and drop us a review. Uh, those help the show grow. They help us show up on uh, charts. Little known fact, we are uh, top uh, 220, uh, number 220 on the New Zealand politics podcast ranks. So finally, we're moving up yes! in the world. Uh, like I tell you, every episode, you can find us online at Sunday underscore pod on Twitter. We've got a link tree there that has links to our website. It's got links to our YouTube and our Twitch and everything. Go follow us there on everything. Uh, we're cool. You guys uh, love us. Uh, let me say thank you to our patrons. All right. Thank you real quick to Maddie and Jacob, Hannah, Connor, Nick, Cora, and Joe. Uh, we're not really giving you anything, but we appreciate your support and the money that you're sending us every every month. Uh, if you want to join them and get nothing in return for it right now, because we don't have the infrastructure to make uh, Patreon episodes. If you want to join them, you can do so at patreon.com slash Sunday morning pod. Tom's making fart noises right now. This has been the Sunday morning podcast. Good morning, Sunday morning. We will see you guys next week. 